0: All right, Charles, you want to kick this episode off?
1: I'd love to. Hello and welcome to the Global Talent War, a podcast by Tech in Asia, produced in partnership with Globalization Partners. My name is Charles Ferguson, and I'm the general manager for Globalization Partners.
0: And I'm his co-host, Nat. You might know me as the host of Tech in Asia's Startup Snapshot podcast.
1: You know what, or, or rather who, we're going to be talking to you today? Uh,
0: I do, but how about you introduce us and our lovely listeners to this episode's focus?
1: Sure. So a while back, we spoke to Richard Ong, who's a chief technology officer of co-working space WORK, and that's WORK with a Q.
0: Right. So uh, tell me all about Richard from WORK with a Q. Well,
1: for starters, he started his professional life with a 13-year stint at IBM as a consultant.
0: 13 years.
1: Wow. Yeah, no kidding, right? But here's a fun fact. Before that, he actually had a different dream job IBM. Was that, a, was that a matter of circumstances? Did something sort of happen or were you, did, was that a matter of direction? Did you say, yeah, I'm going to go to IBM and I'm going to do this, that, and the other? Or was it sort of a, a cavalcade of circumstance?
2: No, not at all. Actually, Charles, to be honest, I wanted to be a fashion designer. Really? Yeah, that's what I said.
1: Really? <laughs> yeah. How cool is that, man? Did you, yeah, did you yeah. study that in school
2: or was no, that? No, no. I, I, uh, I, um, after we've got this uh, exam called SPM here in Malaysia, right? After SPM was done and I just, uh, I had two choices. One, I could take a break and you know, or the other one, I could go straight into college, right? So the question is, if I want to go into college, what subject would I want to take? And to be honest, uh, tech wasn't really on my radar at that point. It was fashion design.
0: And how did an aspiring fashion designer end up working for 13 years as a consultant at
2: IBM?
1: Well, long story short, his mom happened.
2: <laughs> she knocked on the door and said, Hey, what are, you, what are you gonna do with your life? Uh are you gonna get yourself into college or not? I said, um, I'm looking into fashion design. And she said, Hell no, man. You know, it's like
0: <laughs> Well, considering how he turned out, go mom.
1: <laughs> yeah, after leaving IBM in 2016. Richard even went to start up two companies, which he managed to see through to exit.
0: And so how did he end up becoming the chief technology officer of work?
1: Well, funny enough, he
2: first got acquainted with work because one of his startups was actually a tenant there. So I when I was building my startup, I was actually one of the first few members at work.
1: Oh, that's cool. So this, this was not a foreign uh, or alien uh, place for you. You had already engaged with this community before. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was so cool because, do you remember The Muppet Show?
0: Yeah, that's the one with the weird looking puppets that
1: go Manamana, manamana, That's the one. And to me, Richard's first experience of work kind of mirrors, you know, those two old Muppet dudes who sit in the theater balcony, Statler and Waldorf, who are kind of watching the show alongside the viewers. They're sort of part of the show, but they're seeing it unfold as well. What
2: was that? It's called the medium sketch. The medium sketch? Yeah, it wasn't rare and it certainly wasn't well done.
0: (laughs) Man, those two were like my favorite part of the show. (laughs) And me too. But on the topic of this podcast, what's Richard's experience been like with the global talent
1: war? So interestingly, he said quite a few things were in line with the conversation that you and I had in the last episode about how the casualties that kind of come from this talent war were actually oftentimes the companies themselves
2: when they have to fork out an arm and a leg just to attract the right talent. I mean, when you, when you mentioned talent wars, I strongly believe is already here yeah. in our community. I could clearly see that uh, companies poaching each other's talent, Yeah, not only at work, but across the tech industries that I'm working at.
1: Well, it's struggling um, to find people, right? Just generally yes. struggling to find folks to do the work.
2: Yeah, but like uh, in terms of number of resources, that's quite a lot. Uh, but in terms of getting the right people with the right skills is really hard. Um, and on top of the, I mean, most of the time, um, you have this kind of conflict when it comes to hiring. One is uh, you want someone with the right skills for the right time. But at the same time, the pay doesn't really matches what those guys with the right skill sets is requesting for. Yep. So that's where the struggles actually come in, the dynamics between it. And I see that happen quite a lot. So what what actually happens is that a lot of the uh well, the enterprise, the corporates and the startups go uh do is actually they go to universities and colleges to to get the young talents in. But of course with that they have to they will have to groom them, they will have to culture them, and they will have to nurture them in terms of the skill sets that they want, which will take time big and handle them. Yeah, it's a big investment. Um, and looking at the trend right now, <laughs> a lot of uh, uh, tech resources do jump less than two years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, and it's very common. common right? Very common. And it's not only the new generation I do see in the older generation too. Um, if you are, if you are in the, you have the skill sets, uh, for example, like in big data or data analytics, you can literally just jump every one to one and a half years if you want to. And they jump, they are jumping from good companies to good companies. Right. Right. In the past, in the past companies will be saying, "Hey, you've got this CV of yours with multiple companies and jumping every one to one and a half years. How do I don't know whether I can actually retain you in my organization if you join, but that's not really the case right now. If your skill sets are really, really good. Uh, the future is now, uh, companies are willing to buy you out from your existing companies very easily.
0: Right, that's the power shift that we were discussing, except we talked about how this is happening because of external factors, what with COVID-19, working from home becoming a norm instead of a radical idea, while Richard's talking about how tech talent can basically have their pick of employer because their skills are just so in demand.
1: Exactly, and the common answer businesses have would be to hire talent from places where they might come slightly cheaper. Like some markets here in Asia, for example, but Richard's experience actually made him a little hesitant to sing phrases about hiring remote talent.
2: Yeah, no, I, I have my reservations uh, on remote working. I'm, I'm not totally against it, but I have experience uh, in my industry, certain kinds of remote working um, on the enterprise level and both on the enterprise level and in the startup level. On enterprise level, it didn't really pan out well for me. And I, I never really got another chance to, to change my mind. Um, it was a large project and the project was cut up into multiple tasks and all of it was outsourced to India. Okay. But we you know it's great, you know, you can reduce costs and you can have more resources from another country to do all of the work. But there's a lot of added complications in there uh, that... Is not well documented. I feel. I mean, for example, you know the cross-cultural yes exchange, the language huge. barrier huge, um, the camaraderie, um, yeah. you know, the bonding and the trust level doesn't seem to, uh, kind of like uh, uh give. It doesn't give me confidence in remote working on a project level. Yes, Got it? So for type on a project level, I was never really a big fan of it, and of course. As large as the project was, it, it wasn't. It was struggling. Yeah. And I could see the struggles through, you know, what we're having right now, through the calls, through telephones, and through different time time zones. And that's something that I think we're going to hear a lot about in the series.
1: That the biggest challenge remote teams will face is the cultural implications. That nuanced lack of ability to really establish a human connection. It's hard to really nail that camaraderie with your colleagues when you can't go out for a beer after work or just talk about non-work stuff. So it's certainly not impossible, but it's incredibly difficult nonetheless.
0: Yeah, you sort of lose the spontaneity of uh, water cooler talk or lunch break banter when you're halfway across the continent or even the world from the rest of your team.
1: Right, absolutely. And there are more pros and cons to hiring remote workers as well that Richard and I talked about. Do you think that that diversity of perspective and that diversity of thought. Granted, it's harder, but do you think that it leads to a better result that has more scale or more applicability because it's been infused with different perspectives that are far away from that which are right in front of you? No, no, it's definitely
2: very good because you get to expose yourself uh, of different cultures and how your product will work in, in their world. Yes. Um but I, but I, I clearly saw the gap in this setup is that if you are all constantly wearing the, I call it the ideators cap, yeah, yeah. Like, um, then you will get into a position of having too many ideas and too much experiences. And you roughly, I mean, the team will actually just be overwhelmed with so many things to do and you know, end up being aimless. Right. Yeah. That so that, that's, that's where the task cap comes in, right? There's always this someone, the consolidator, someone who has to drive it uh, to make it work when you're in a remote setting. Someone, have, someone has to make that decision moving forward. I
1: agree.
2: Otherwise, it's going to get really messy and uh, someone on the other side may be saying something and you are hearing something on your side and you're getting a mismatch or you're not understanding what that person really actually means. Yes. Uh, because communication is 70, 70, 70% of communications, verbal communication is miscommunication anyway. Agreed. And, and uh, that's where the complication comes in, let alone it being through a laptop. Yes. Agreed. Like this, uh, it can be a bit tough sometimes.
0: Yeah. I know what he's talking about. I mean, I have a hard enough time communicating in person with my colleagues during high stress situations. So I can't imagine having to have those conversations Only ever over Google Meet or Zoom.
1: I'll tell you what, if companies don't take extra measures to establish some culture and some regular interactivity among their employees, these conversations could be complete nightmares.
0: (laughs) I believe you. But Charles, you know, we talked about how Richard played a sort of Statler-Waldorf role in his first encounter with work because he was one of its first tenants while he was running his previous startup startup. Now, being a part of work, he still kind of plays that same role because he sees firsthand how the various work tenants grapple with the effects of the global talent war, while also being part of that very same war. Does he have any unique takes on how exactly businesses can sort of
1: stay alive in this endless battle? Oh, yeah, definitely. But words to the wise, he does not mince his words.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh... Well, it's not going to work for everyone, right? Uh, Everyone has their own... Well,
1: there is no panacea, right? There is no silver bullet.
2: Yeah. Some people just come just to do the work and get the money. Uh, You need to understand those needs. Some people come with a goal in mind.
1: Yes. Uh, uh,
2: So I think what is important in this day of age when everyone is actually struggling to kind of snatch each other's resources is that the leader should always be very close to their employees to be aware of what their goals are. Yes. And to not take it for granted. It it takes a lot of time and effort, but I think it pays off over time. So I'm revealing some of that secret to you right now, right? And as yeah, to how yeah. we actually get uh, our resources to be with us. Yes. Uh, it's because we are constantly trying to align works mission and goals to our employees. And some of this, some of these professionals, uh, they might have taken the same journey as I did, like, you know, taking the leap of faith, but they, they want something different in their life. They, they want to try something out different and they, they want to be a part of something different or they want to create a product or they want to drive something for themselves. It's very important for the leader or the organizations to not disregard that, right, Uh, 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 to disregard, yeah, and and to always have a conversation about their goals and to always support their goals moving into the future. And this alignment, right, it's not a one-time thing. No. It's it's probably every quarter. Um, uh, And maybe after two quarters, they'll fall off you need to kind of pick them up again. This is how I'm going to align again. This is how we am going to align again. Get them onto their onto their journey to reaching their goal. I think it's very important for the leader or the organization to do this. That will, to some extent, prevent that snatching. yeah. Uh, between, Because a, a professional has, what do you call it in Harvard? They've got this uh, five rules to uh, a professional's needs. Yeah. One, one is money. One is goals. One is being, uh, uh yeah, appreciated. One is a community and the fifth one is, uh, I can't remember what it is, but there's these things that we really need to look into and it's not necessarily the job of the HR It's the job of the leader, the, pers- the, 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 the manager or the person leading these people on the ground. Uh, it's absolutely important. If, if you, if the leader disregards it, and take it as a job, then it's hard to retain that talent. So I spent a lot of time talking to the team. Starbucks, you ca- Charles, you can't, Im- can't imagine how much time I actually have to sit down and, yeah. uh, with the team and understand where they're coming from and seeing how to align our, world to get a win-win, uh, most importantly.
0: That's some good stuff.
2: Yeah.
1: And to end off the episode, I think I'll leave you with some very sage advice that Richard received
2: from a mentor of his. And I've been given a very, very good advice by a leader who coached me. He was, he's actually from Germany. Uh, So he coached me and said that Richard, you you have to always understand this fact. I say what it is and um, say as a leader, Richard, I say, Yes. You have to understand that anything that goes wrong in the company, any dispute or unhappiness is always the responsibility of the leader and it's always the result of poor leadership. The management is always the problem. So I took that by heart and I realized yes, the management has a lot of control as to how to. Empathize and understand uh their employees and how to motivate them or not, of course, those employees that can't be motivated or are not productive should be let go because it impacts the company and impacts the shareholders right sure but uh people i'm, I'm looking at people with uh untapped talent potential, and a leader or uh, and management can actually light can actually put out that fire right Yes. As easily as
1: they can spark it, they can put
2: it out. Yes. Yes. And, um, you don't, you don't, as management, you don't just come to work and just take it as a job. You you have a responsibility to spark all these fires and uh, get them to be, to empower them, to become leaders so that you don't, you don't, you don't die in the process of having too much work. You know, you've got all these people to rely on. Uh, Um, that's very important. I feel
0: sage advice indeed that's right and that wraps up this episode of the global talent war don't forget to follow us wherever you're listening from so you can catch the rest of the episodes we have in store just search for the global talent war by technasia and globalization partners if you're listening on apple podcasts give us five stars and a review if you're listening from anywhere else your time and ears are good enough for us
1: And of course, if you're a business owner or a business leader and you want or need some assistance in fighting the never ending battles in the global talent war, do visit Globalization Partners website at globalization-partners.com and we'll be sure to help you out.
0: Yep. For Globalization Partners, Charles Ferguson, Richard Ong and the work team. My name's Nat. We'll catch you next time.